from the Mac Observer. It's our weekly look at the world of digital media and Apple's place within it. I'm Charlotte Henry, your host, and I'm very, very excited today. Since I started the show a year ago, there's people I've wanted to have on. Some of them I've been lucky to to finally drag on and get in front of a mic. One of them's played a little bit hard to get, but I finally won him down. Mark Herman from Bloomberg News. How are you? Thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, you didn't uh, You didn't wear me down. It's just been a busy uh, last several weeks, but I'm glad to finally uh, be on here and, and talk to you about all things Apple and all things media. Yeah. Uh, obviously, your podcast is uh, is great, and Mac Observer have been reading that for years, so it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on here. No, we're really pleased to have you on. Um, obviously, lots of people know you and know your work, but give us a two-minute intro to Mark Gurman. Give us Mark Gurman 101 quickly. Mark Gurman 101. So uh, I work at Bloomberg News. I write about Apple and tech. Uh, I do some uh, product reviews. I have a weekly newsletter called uh, Power On as well, talking about Apple, the tech industry. I do some hardware stuff related to Google uh, Facebook slash Meta and some of the other, you know, AR VR players. Uh, before Bloomberg, I worked at an Apple News website called 9to5Mac.com uh, for about uh, seven, eight years. So, so that was fun. And so, you know, been in this world for over uh, a decade now. It's hard to believe. And um, I'm mostly a uh, Apple News and Rumors consumer. So it's always very fun for me to, you know, read everything that's going on with Apple. I am an Apple fan uh, personally as well. <clears throat> and then um, most important to me actually is being able to engage uh, in the community of, you know, tens of thousands, if not more like-minded people like mm. yourself uh, to sort of, you know, have these interesting conversations and tweet at each other and email and all that. So yep. uh, it's a fun uh, growing community that we have. Here it is. And it's gone from it. being the kind of out of, we've said in different ways before, kind of the outcasts and the weirdos who were into Apple to kind of being very mainstream. And I think in lots of ways, the fact that we're on an Apple focused podcast that's talking about media and digital media kind of underlines the change in the company that you've seen in the 10 years you've been covering it this is that you know this was apple making tv and films was just not a thing when you and i started having apple products and you started writing about them and so on that's absolutely right i mean they've had you know itunes forever itunes movies and videos and those types of things they've had icloud since 2011 and mobile me and dot mac and all that before that uh apple music since 2015 right but it yeah. didn't really feel like until 2018 2019 that this whole you know services thing with the media portions of everything apple news plus and apple tv plus and a stronger apple music push and arcade and yep yeah. uh, all those other you know services they didn't really seem to start you know, taking off until a couple of years ago. So, you know, in the uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's newish. In a, yeah, in tech terms, it's new. Um, what do you what do you make of it all? In how it's played out? I mean, you're right to identify the biggest changes have come over the last two years. But how do you where do you see Apple? First of all, let's do the obvious one. Where do you see Apple's position in the in the streaming wars? 
Well, right now they're in a very limited position. I mean, their market share for Apple TV Plus is very slim. I know it's, I believe it's well sub uh, 5% at this point. I, I don't think that they've nailed it. I think this approach of throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks uh, is kind of powerful for uh, Apple because they have so much money and they're mm. able to afford it. But at some point, Tim Cook and whoever is in charge of that department is not going to want to lose you know, money. Obviously, it's a money losing uh, proposition at this point, given you're developing and buying so much content without any certainty of whether it's going to take off. Uh, and still not charging that many people for it. And the people you're charging, you're not charging that much for it. That's right. Right. And, and the big fundamental difference between TV Plus and Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Paramount Plus, uh, Disney Plus, and these other providers is that Apple is originals only, whereas the other uh, streaming services are uh, originals is one component of it. And on the other hand, you have this gigantic backlog of content. So if the originals are not hitting, the uh, the backlogs of content are. And I can tell you, I, I subscribe to um, I subscribe to many of them. So, for instance, HBO Max. Uh, for me, it's about the originals, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Succession, mm-hmm. a few other shows on there. For Netflix. It's not about the Netflix originals for me. It's the uh, content backlog. It's the old documentaries. It's the reality TV. It's the older movies and such, right? And so when originals are not working for Apple, they don't have the backlog of content to rely on. So I think Apple's going to need to do that. And for two years, people like you and I have flagged up this problem. We at one point thought they were going to buy MGM and have the James Bond back catalog, and they never did that, and a decision I still can't quite get my head around. Um, and then actually, I'm pleased you mentioned succession. I'm going to resist turning this into a succession fan podcast because I could easily do it. But I think succession, I wrote this in a column the other week that succession really underlined the flaw in Apple TV Plus because until you're, those are the shows you're competing with. Uh, I and did it, see that. I did yeah, see that. And if those are the show, and if your shows are not as good, you're losing. And at the moment, I can't think of anything on TV Plus that is in the caliber of something like Succession. Ted Lasso was quite uh, popular. It was popular, but it's... Yeah, I never liked it personally. Oh! Yeah, I I, I didn't watch more than a few episodes, but I never got into it. Uh, Maybe I should give it another shot. Mark Herman, you are the first Media Plus guest not to have loved Ted Lasso. I was normally the cynical one because I fell out of love with it in season two a bit. But uh, yeah. you are the debut uh, Ted Lasso dissident on this show. So congratulations for that. I appreciate uh, it. Um, um, the morning show season one, I uh, I actually quite liked. Yep, agree. I did not like, uh, here, here's the problem. There was such a big gap between season one and yeah. season two in terms of timing because of coronavirus and everything that it sort of sucked the wind out of the show. And so kind of gave up on it. Didn't really get into season two. No, I, 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 I didn't. Tehran, I know that's not like a pure oh. Apple original. It's one they acquired, but I really liked that. And I'm actually looking forward to season two. Of that. Yeah, that was got a very good reception from a lot of people. Very clever, well-received show by those who got into it. I agree with you entirely and have said so on season two of The Morning Show. I thought it basically ended up a bit of a mess. Um, it didn't quite know if it was covering COVID, Me Too, Black Lives Matter, all of the above, and didn't really do any justice to any of those issues. 
Um, but yeah, it and yet Apple keeps turning this stuff out. Like it's clearly committed to TV Plus, isn't it? It's not mucking around here. It's putting lots of money into it. It's got serious people working in it. You know, Zach Van Amberg and Jamie Ellick are two hugely well-received people within the industry and have kind of been let to get on with TV Plus. It's um, that, you know, they're, it's a serious proposition from Apple. And yet, you're right, say it's not really making the dent they would have hoped after two years. Or maybe they didn't hope. Maybe they knew it would be like this. Yeah, no, I think COVID threw a wrench in those plans for sure. Um, I would absolutely say they need to do that catalog backlog. Maybe there's some sort of iTunes crossover where for they up the Apple TV Plus subscription fee to something closer to Netflix, but it integrates the Apple, uh, sorry, the iTunes movies library for rentals, and you could pick three rentals a month, right? And so maybe that's what they do there. They're sort of a crossover yeah. between iTunes and uh and um apple tv yeah yeah and just yeah i mean get the kind of the tv app itself isn't exactly clear what that's for anyway but something like that could be very easily integrated within the app i actually like the idea of the tv app right i wish it had netflix integration and a few other the video app holdouts um i think the idea of apple tv channels i think it's a very strong strong idea just hasn't taken off. The idea of having one app that you'd integrate video content from all of those other providers, I think it's an extremely strong offering. I just don't think it's been positioned correctly and marketed well enough to take off. But I think they have something uh, fantastic there at the core for that. But they need to just execute it a little bit better. And can I ask, are you a TV, Apple TV, bot, the box user? Yes. I have, so, because I think that changes your interaction with the app and some of the content a bit. It does. I have the, uh, I have three of them here and um, I'm not a huge TV buff. I'm not a big TV watcher, but I got them. Um, it's a, there's a long way to go with the mm. Apple TV box. It's not a, it's not a, especially compelling. Uh, it does the job. They added the uh, the new faster processor to the uh, version this year. It's not fast enough. I mean, this feels sluggish from time to time, to be honest with you. Um, the new remote is quite nice. I have a few of those. And so I, I, I like the remote. It's uh, much, much easier and better to use than the previous uh, disaster. Of a remote oh, yeah. Don't, don't mention the old one. I'll get like emails in of people with PTSD about it and stuff. Oh, it's, better we don't, yeah. it's better we don't talk about the old remote and okay. upset okay. people. I think it needs a user interface overall. It really I think does, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's clear that this apps-centric approach for the TV, the future of TV's apps wasn't necessarily the solution. I don't think the App Store has taken off in, in any shape or form. Um so you know they're gonna they're gonna redo the Apple TV box in uh, uh, what is it 2021 uh, year the after next of, yeah year after the next. end of 20 we've made it through 2021 just about well almost yeah almost. Um, I think in what uh, 22 or 22 and 2023 or 2024 um, they'll have the new box with the uh, they're gonna combine the HomePod and the Apple TV box. So the box will have a speaker in it or the speaker will have an Apple TV in it and then they'll put a camera on it and it'll be sort of this all-in-one smart home device. Um, Yeah, yeah, I saw it in your power. It was in your power newsletter, wasn't it? Um, And I 
I, that seems like a direct uh, on the hardware side. That seems a direct challenge to what Amazon offers. That's right. But hardware is only one side of the story. I think they really need to, you know, give a nice shot in the arm, so to speak, to TV Plus with this content backlog. Yeah. I think the OS, quite frankly, needs a bit of an overhaul and they need to decide what the App Store is on the Apple TV. If it's a wide ranging platform or if it's uh, content consumption only. Mm. So sitting here as we do at the end of 2021, where let's be crude and give it a rating out of 10. Where would you put the T- Apple's TV offering? The box or the uh, uh, Well, kind of both, but let's focus so like on the combined, content. Yeah, combined. what are we talking about? 10, 7, 8, room to improve? Oh, well, a 5 maybe. Oh, you're as harsh as that. For Apple TV Plus? Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, if it's not a five, it's an incomplete. I, I don't think the service is necessarily, I don't think it makes a lot of sense uh, to be uh, a, a streaming service in this day and age without a content backlog. You know, iTunes movie rentals is a complete legacy service and they need to find a way to sort of, you know, merge the two together, right? They have the technology, they have the ability to do so. So, yep, uh, they certainly could do that. And, in terms of, let, let's shift gear a little bit, and uh, in terms of Apple Music and the music offering, that, uh, as I've said lots of times on the show, has always been, music has always been very fundamental and important to Apple. It was important to Steve Jobs, personally, that's continued under Tim Cook. It's a thing that matters to Apple in a kind of intrinsic emotional sense, not just a dollars and cents sense, I think. Um, how do you see that shift that, you know, we're quite a long way through that transition now from iTunes to the three different apps and we've got Apple Music as a service. How, how do you see that position? How's that gone? The obvious example being versus Spotify. Yeah, I use Apple Music. Um, I don't think, I, okay. I think people enjoy using Spotify more than they enjoy using Apple Music. I think Apple, prefer, not Apple. I think there's a, a lot of people who prefer Spotify to Apple Music. But for my money, I go with Apple Music. Uh, it does the job for me. Mm-hmm. It works well. It has all the content I'm looking for. It has all my playlists from you know the iTunes days. Uh, I'm very happy with it. Uh, I don't have an issue with and it. And how do people within Cupertino? see Apple Music and how important that is to the business. I mentioned what I perceive as the kind of emotional connection Apple as a company has to music. How do they perceive it within Cupertino? I think they see it as something that's running itself. It really doesn't need much. I think it's, uh, you know, it's not like Apple TV Plus where you need to inject original content into it. I think it's a self-sustaining business that's going to keep growing. I think it needs a user interface overhaul. Uh, I'm noticing a theme. Yeah, I think it needs a uh, better integration into cars. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, if you get into a Tesla, there's Spotify deeply integrated into the car. There is no Apple Music integrated into the car. And that is uh, the same for, for many cars where there's no deep Apple Music integration. Um, in terms of if you're in the Apple ecosystem, I think it's a strong offering. You get it on all of your devices, your watch, your home pods, uh, which, by the way, I need to be discontinued or need something. Um, You're talking about the big one, not the new mini. 
well, the new mini is a it's, it's a wash, right? They need a new big one. That's about well, new big, yeah, fun. Yeah, that's about two hundred dollars. They need one with the iPad attached to it, so they kind of really need to really grow there. The question is, do they really want to invest that energy and development time and money into those products. Um, I had a column about this the other day <laughs> as well. Um, so yeah, I think Apple Music's fine. It's not a five; it's like a seven or an eight, yeah. right? Whereas I would say Spotify to many people is like a 10. But the difference is Spotify has the cult following that Apple Music doesn't. But yes, that's true. Um, and how, again, uh, in a similar vein, how does Apple see, do you think, the kind of, con- there is a content offering with Apple Music, which is the radio side of it, which has been expanded. Um, how How is that perceived that's obviously slightly decentralized because there's studios in various countries around the world, various cities around the world. There's one here in London. There's uh, one in Los Angeles. There's a few, in few different places, aren't there, where they run different shows across different time zones. How how's that seen? And do you ever see that expanding even more? I think it'll expand more. I don't use it uh, personally, but like in terms of the amount of money that Apple has, the amount of money that Apple generates, like I'm just doing them as you were mentioning, I started doing the math in my head. So you're saying if there's three offices, there's uh, you know, three, yeah, it might be, is it five offices? There's a few, cause there's one in maybe. Paris now. I would imagine it's a sub $20 million a year operation, which for Apple yeah. is, which is it for Apple is nothing. It's changed. Right. And so, you know, it doesn't hurt. I don't know how many people use it. I would imagine it's one of the least used portions of the uh, Apple music experience, but probably people who love it. Right. And I think, let me, let me open up the app right here. I want to see, cause I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to see how. Uh, because they, they, you know, they do have, I know this from here in the UK, they took a huge number of quite well-known figures, not least saying low from um, radio one, the big right. uh, broadcast over here. It's pretty and, well, it's pretty well uh, promoted in the app, right? I'm looking at it right yes, now. It it's is. Yeah. Center, it's your center. It's your center. Bottom. But I don't think it's kind of well promoted outside the app. If you know what I mean, I think most people yeah. would not know it exists. And I, even people who use that. Apple products regularly. So can I, can I throw in an aside here that has nothing to Please. do with Apple? So I'm looking at sort of this bottom bar here. You get listen now, you get browse, radio. Yeah, yeah. So I have been subscribing to this Twitter blue the last few months or so. And so <laughs> I don't, have you tried it? I haven't. I'm No, it's the kind of higher end Twitter users for elite users like you. Oh, that's funny. But um, anyways, it's three bucks a month, which is whatever, $36 a year. But one of the main features you get is you get to sort of move around the controls in the bottom bar. So you get to reorder your bottom bar oh, and nice. choose what's in there. And so it's like, why is that a premium feature to be able to reorganize your bottom bar? Because I remember um, from the, uh, in the original iPod app that was on the iPhone back in the day, you can move around which controls you want at the bottom bar. That wasn't a premium feature. Yeah, no. You didn't have to subscribe to anything. Yeah. Uh, well, and also we've got things like, you know, continuing premium features that are just built in. Apple Music has all kind of 4K and spatial audio and those kind of things that are already built in that are, you know, not always, you know, not really seen as premium features in lots of ways, although some of them are not in the Apple Music voice plan, of course. Um, Which, by the keep- way, is a joke. I don't know who would pay five bucks a month for Apple Music to be only through Siri. <laughs> well, 
we should have had you on last week's show. Kelly Gawant and I spent the whole of last week's show trying to work out for about the third time what the point of the Apple Music voice plan is. We still don't have an answer. I don't know why they're doing it personally. Um, I think it was sort of to try to get that 499 price point into the market. Well, if you listen back to the show, there's a couple of theories. One is to get new people using it. Two is that it's for people whose first entry to the world of Apple Music is something like a HomePod Mini. And three, there was a one put forward by a TechCrunch journalist whose name escapes me, but it's referenced in uh, last week's show, which is um, that basically it's an AI training exercise to get Apple Music and Siri better at accents, all of which are kind of oh. interesting theories. Yeah, it's oh, an interesting theory. I like that. Yeah. yeah, we're going to take a look ahead of what's to come from Apple Media and Services in 2022 with Mark Gurman shortly. But I first want to thank our sponsor for this week's show, BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash media plus. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. You saw that one coming. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. We do chores regularly, some of us, to avoid a giant mess of a house. Going to therapy is like all of these. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. BetterHelp is customised online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Media Plus listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash media plus. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash media plus. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this show. Welcome back. I'm with Bloomberg News' Mark Gurman, the superstar Apple reporter who's been driving us all mad with his scoops for years and beating us all. Um, I'm really pleased to have you here, Mark. Let's look ahead. Apple, we've had TV Plus going for two years. We've had Apple Music going for a lot longer. We're starting to see some original podcasts from Apple and more tools from for podcasters from Apple. Um where, what's the direction of travel here, do you think? Well, I mean, I think even further consumerizing the ability to create podcasts would be really fun. Like imagine if there was an iOS app or a portion of the podcast app, like a podcast creator app for iOS where you can record your podcast, edit your podcast, upload and publish your podcast all through an app and sort of distribute it through the podcast store, just like you can with Swift Playgrounds. All I'm hearing is Substack for podcasts, and I'm feeling slightly terrified. Substack for podcasts. Well, the app store is Substack for app developers. That's true. That's right? true. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. So you th- do you think that's a likely possibility? Do you think they're going to, you know, double down on tools for podcasters? Um, I do. I do. I, or at least I think they should. 
right? I mean, I think it's pretty clear. All the signs are pretty clear that they've been, you know, reprioritizing podcasting in some sort. Um, mm. I'm interested to see if they start charging um, for some sort of collection of original podcasts like they do for uh, Apple Music, right? They have this podcast, it's not Podcast Plus, but right, they have subscriptions for podcasts. I'm wondering if they'll start yes. doing bundles can, of podcasts. Rather yeah, because you can subscribe to, you know, they gave people the ability to subscribe to um, individual podcasts or, subs- right, or podcast creators to right. make certain bits of content available um, at a premium price. Right, which is fantastic. But on the other hand, I, I wonder if they're going to start chart doing their own originals, uh, a la TV Plus. Well, they do actually. We've uh, had a couple. We've had the line. The, there's the John Stewart one, which is associated right, with right. the Apple TV Plus show. Right. Surely that's got to be a direction they head more down this as in the next twelve months or so. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what, now that I think of it, they'll probably make it part of an Apple, the Apple TV plus subscription. If you have Apple TV plus, you can unlock that additional content inside of the podcast app. That, so, that's always been my working assumption is they're not going to make you pay for TV plus plus. I hate to use this phrase plus podcasts plus. Um, right. They would cross over. They would cross over the two. And it might even be a way of, ju- now I'm thinking out loud here, but it might actually be a way of justifying a little price hike for TV Plus as well. Oh, I don't think they can afford to do a price hike at this point. I think the uh, price oh, hike. Oh, really? Comes, well, personally, right? <clears throat> but I think the price hike comes with uh, the original content backlog. I don't know when that's going to happen. They've started buying up and looking into it, and they've certainly been investigating it. And that has certainly been a plan. Uh, there is a difference of opinion on the whole backlog of content situation, right? Like one part of the, you know, the decision-making group for, for TV plus is sort of like, listen, we're doing originals only. Uh, the other part would be, I need to do, you know, catalog backlog. And so they sort of have to decide who they want to be. And I think when push comes to shove, I think if, you know, none of this new original content takes off, they're going to have to, to have to do it. Who do you think within Cupertino or actually, you know, TV plus based in Los Angeles or whatever, who's winning that debate? Do you think the people that want to keep plowing on with just doing originals and make that Apple TV Plus's thing or the people who go, no, actually we really should have bought all the James Bond movies. We should have bought, there's a load of other stuff that's available and rights becoming available. That's all we should need to get involved in. Who's winning that debate? Right now, it would be the, the people who are pushing for originals, right? Uh, that's who's winning. But I think Eddie Q in his side is probably more pushing towards uh, the idea of uh, uh, of buying that content. And I think you're going to see them buying up content, maybe some studios next year. Content is, is, is massive. And they really need to start buying content that people are going to want to subscribe for. Because right now, the content they're getting through TV+, Plus, the morning show, Ted Lasso, and whatnot, is simply not doing the trick. I think I agree. They should have bought MGM. They should have bought the James Bond stuff. They should be doing original sports and stuff. They should have went harder after you know NFL Sunday ticket. They should be trying to get in on NBA League pass of some sort. They have unlimited amount of money, and they should absolutely try to uh, go after it and make that subscription more valuable. They have not done that. No, live sport is one that I've written about and talked on this show and other shows about, you know, multiple times because I think it it's a, it's a difficult one as I've explained in previous shows that you know it changes the dynamic of TV Plus, which is my TV Plus is the same as your TV Plus. Oh, interesting. Uh, 
Um, it and it's the it's the only really streaming service that you can say that about because mine. Why does it matter? But why do you have exactly that is the question? Does Apple decide that is what of value, or is it more important that you can buy NFL Sunday Pass, but I access access the NFL? on my television a different way here in the UK. That That's the fundamental question. But that has been quite a core thing about Apple, that it's the same globally for everyone, I think. I um, think that they're going to want to be as successful as possible. They're going to they're gonna need to scrap that, right? I, I, I know it's important and I recognize why. Uh, but at the same time, I think they're going to have to have some sort of sea change there if they want TV Plus to become the next Netflix. They certainly have the money, the talent, the backing, the branding, and the uh, you know advertising ability to do that. And it's just about execution. And uh, the only reason they haven't executed at that level it has to become or be because of philosophical differences. It's going to be fascinating to see that play out in 2022. Do you think if we come and, ha- and I hope we do have this conversation again in December 2022, that there will have been some fundamental shifts across Apple's digital media offering? Do you think we'll be talking about something very different? I would bet that there is uh, a backlog, a, uh, 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 an injection of a content backlog, whether that mm. is integration with iTunes or a purchase of a studio or a purchase of a bulk of content by the end of 2022. I don't really think they have another option. Do you think, let's just quickly before we come to the end of the show, touch on a couple of the other things. Um, We've seen kind of News Plus expand a bit in terms of local news coverage. Is that a trend you see continuing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe, you know, you were talking about the uh, the radio mm-hmm. aspect of uh, Apple Music. They mm-hmm. have Apple News Plus Audio now, but I think having yes, some sort of... That's only in the US though, really, I think. I believe so, yeah. But some sort of live news radio integration, you know, there's a way that you can sort of link all these services together and make them all valuable by subscribing to the other ones, which again would push Apple One, right? So I think link all of these services with deeper integration, integrating Apple TV Plus with podcasts and Apple Music and then integrating... Yeah, surely that is the end game in terms of digital media for Apple, which is just to get have as many people buy an Apple One subscription, whether yeah. you're particularly motivated by playing Apple Arcade games or watching season three of Mythic, Mythic Quest or whatever. That the is- best way to push Apple One subscriptions, though, is linking these services together. Because right now you right. have this Apple One bundle, right? But all those services are completely standalone and you don't mm-hmm. gain or lose much by subscribing to to all of them. But if all of the services are sort of inextricably linked where the functionality only exists if you subscribe to this other service, you they, they want to get to a point where all the services really require each other to get the most out of the experience. Well, I look forward to you coming back on the show and seeing where your predictions go and see where we stand as 2022 goes on. This is the last show of 2021 of Media Plus. So thank you so much for listening all this year. Um, I hope you come back and join me next year. Mark, uh, Mark Herman, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, this was great. Thank you for having me as your sort of capstone show for the year. Exactly. And- if people for some reason don't know how to keep up with you, where can they keep up with your work, Mark? 
I'm on twitter.com slash Mark German, uh, bloomberg.com, and please subscribe to Power On. It's in the uh, bio URL section of my Twitter profile. You can just Google Mark German Bloomberg Power On. Uh, thank you again, Charlotte, for having me. And I wish you and your family and your friends an extraordinarily uh, happy and healthy new year. And a very Merry Christmas. And um, please have me on again in the new year. It would be an absolute pleasure wishing you and yours a very happy Christmas, new year. Thank you once again for listening. Do share and subscribe the show. And I'll see you in 2022.